Welcome to Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I'm Liren. Today is Edgy Wednesday, and like every Edgy Wednesday, I have no idea how edgy this is going to get, because what I usually do is throughout the day, I will share thoughts, and who knows where my twisted little mind will go. So, you've had your possible adult content warning for Edgy Wednesday. I sat on my recording for a little while today and thought about it and considered what I had said. And I realized that it's all true and it's all how I feel. And I'm going to put it out there in the world and hope that people know me well enough from my previous 40-some episodes that I mean well and I'm not being all judgy and I will just deal with the consequences if somebody takes it the wrong way. Because I was serious when I said I was not going to edit this podcast and I wasn't going to, you know, chop up my thoughts later upon reconsideration. You know, if I, I, certainly there are lines I won't cross, but I don't feel like I cross lines in this recording. So I'm going to go ahead and put this out there and I'm going to preface it by saying, I hope you understand that I am making broad generalizations here in places and it is shared strictly in the, in the, uh, with the motive of helping and commiserating and not with any kind of motive of judging or, or, you know, getting into some deep existential debate about one thing or another. I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of deep existential debate, but way too many times they end up with people angry or people, um, I don't know, not actively listening and not able to be open to that. There are different ways to look at things. And, and really fundamentally, it's funny, a few of the conversations I've had with my younger son, really so much of it is about the environment you were brought up in and the mindset that the people who you respected held when you were a child, because that has so much influence on the way that you think about the world as a whole. And it's true that later on you can start making some decisions and maybe changing things here and there, but I don't know. I think it's really hard to change like the fundamental foundation brickwork of your value set later in life. I think that is, uh, I can tell you for me, it has certainly shown up a couple of times in little things about the way that I grew up. Like, I know I've mentioned before that my parents weren't racist based on race. My parents were racist based on class in that they called people welfare rats and people who were on welfare were, you know, trash and useless and they weren't trying and all this other stuff. And so growing up with that bias, it's funny because I still, I I know I've also mentioned this before, (laughs) after years of therapy, I guess I used to think that, oh, I'll go to therapy and then this will go away, except it doesn't go away. It's still there. It's just that you manage how you react to it. And as soon as it shows its face, you go, whoop, I'm labeling that what it is. And it doesn't get any power over you, you know? Anyway, okay, on to my my podcast. The first thing I would like to talk about today is I've been having a lot of issues in my family and those issues, you know, the more I think about it and the more I look at it through the lens of the years of counseling that I have had over 
various things, you know, from my childhood, I realized that so much of what is going on is about poor communication. So, you know, it doesn't feel wonderful when you're feeling off or you're feeling wronged or you're feeling put upon to go to someone and say to them, when you do this, I feel that. But the fact of the matter is that structure is incredibly helpful no matter what's going on. Because the, I think that pointing out that someone's actions make me feel something is a way to communicate about it without saying, it's all your fault you're doing this to me. So taking responsibility for oneself and one's own actions in, responsi- in response to feelings. You know, I've talked before about how the Dalai Lama says that meditation, uh, the purpose of it is to stretch out the point of an action and then a person's reaction to that action and then that reaction causing that person to then take an action. So this is a point where a diagram would be super helpful. So sorry about that. (laughs) But essentially, my point is that pausing, you know, one thing that really helps me with this is active listening. When I learned about active listening, when I was researching how to talk to parents who are grieving over lost children. Oh my gosh, did that click. I had certainly had, you know, lots of advice about listening in all the counseling that I went through when I was younger, but it wasn't specifically called active listening. I don't think it like had a terminology and that terminology clicked with me because it makes a lot of sense because it's very, very easy to listen to something and excuse me, not be giving it your full attention, not be actually engaged with the other party, but instead be hearing it through a filter of what they're saying about you and plotting your response. At work sometimes, someone will come to me for advice about how to do something. So surveys are something that I build sometimes for uh, one of the departments I work with. And I've done a lot of research on how to survey effectively. There are many ways to ask a question and some ways get the preferred response in that they're responding. You're getting the piece of information you actually want. Just to say to somebody, tell me what you think about this and give them an open text box is not the same thing as saying to somebody, what do you think could have been done more efficiently at this event? Or what did you most enjoy about this event? So some people, when they take a survey, find it highly annoying to answer a bunch of separate questions like that. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to do a survey and you're going to use the feedback that you get, you need to be getting the answers to the questions that you actually need to ask. So I know that makes sense logically, but when you sit down to write a survey, it's really easy to get caught up in not wanting it to take too long, not wanting people to have to spend too much time. And on the other end of that scale is the quality of the information that you get, the quality of the answers that you get. If I just say to somebody, hey, you know that event you just spent the whole day at, tell me what you think of it and leave an open box, I who knows what I'll get? I don't. 
Uh, and certainly I've seen surveys that were built that way and you literally just never know what you're going to get. It's not that you won't get anything useful. You could get something useful. But if in fact what you're wanting to ask is, is there anything to do with the registration process or is there anything to do with the content tracks or something like that? Asking about those things separately, it doesn't take someone that much longer to answer two separate questions instead of just leaving one open box and hoping for the best. That said, at the end of every survey for any event that um, that department that I was talking about does, I leave an open box and say, did we miss anything? Would you like to add any more comments? Often that one's left empty, but every once in a while someone will put something in there that I'm really grateful to know and it is helpful in planning the next year's event. So, wow, why did I get on that tangent? (laughs) Oh, I am such a tangent queen. Anyway, oh, I know why. Because I was thinking about in my family the way that communication is working right now it's it's not working so and it is very similar to wanting to know what someone else is thinking and feeling and how you can best support them but not asking the right questions you have to understand the situation fully to be able to ask the right questions and you can't understand the situation fully if you aren't actively listening to what the other party is saying without putting your own stuff on top of it Sometimes human beings need to vent and you need to let them do that. Now, I can say that a lot of the times I am able to say, okay, I need to vent about this and then just go on a rant. And lucky for me, often when I do that, my husband is like, oh, she's venting. It's okay. I'm not going to take this personal. This is just, you know, built up energy and she's just letting it out because I'm not being passive aggressive. Sometimes I just, I'm an emotional person. I know what a shock that will be. (laughs) And, and I, sometimes I just need to rant for a minute about, you know, maybe in that moment I am feeling super overwhelmed or like everyone around me is having meltdowns and I'm having to put out fires and play referee and people aren't like paying attention to me. It's not like I don't know that's unreasonable. It's not like I don't know that when someone is in a really heightened state, they're not able to just turn that off and go, oh, wait, let me give you some empathy, you know? So as an aside, I am realizing more and more that I say, you know, a lot in my podcast. I've mentioned that before and that I seem to have promptly forgotten about it. So I'm going to work on that. Because I don't edit this podcast, it makes it tricky. I'll tell you one of the times I really realized it. The Ed Hess podcast, I did edit because I did it in sections. And holy cow, did I realize how many times I say um and how many times I say you know. So I'm going to work on that. I don't know what I'll fill that space with instead. We'll see. (laughs) Maybe I'll try to think through sentences a little more thoroughly before I start speaking them? I don't know. So I find myself really thinking how much the poor communication and the and, and the poor uh, self-awareness. So I think you have to be really self-aware to be able to accurately communicate. So if I'm 
feeling cranky. Let's just use this as an example. I'm feeling cranky one day and someone approaches me and they're feeling cranky too. So their tone of voice towards me is snarky. It is certainly possible that I'll just react to that and be like, whoa, you're being a jerk to me. It's equally possible that I'll recognize, ooh, they're in a bad mood right now. And maybe I'll be like, hey, what's going on? Is something wrong? Oftentimes, if I do that, I find that, yes, something's wrong, or they're stressed about something, or they're worrying about something. And the worrying one is a big one in my house, because I live with a couple of people who have anxiety. So people who have anxiety worry, worry, worry. Uh, I have not yet done the review of the brain bias session from the conference I went to for work, but one of the things she talked about was that worrying is ingrained in the human psyche. People who worried if the rustling in the bushes was a predator are the people who survived because the people who didn't worry about that got eaten. So fundamentally, that is a, a hardwired thing in our brains. And it isn't that we can't edit that. It isn't that we can't recognize that and choose to react differently to it. But it is pretty automatic. It's kind of like how when we're growing up, we have to learn that when we see something we want, we can't just take it, right? Human nature says, I want that, therefore I'm going to take it just on a baseline. But in our society, it's a big deal that you don't just take other people's things. So we edit that one in real early and over and over, early and often, right? However, the whole emotional awareness thing and the being able to genuinely and authentically communicate what's going on with you, that is not something our society really wants to label as that. I think that you get labeled, if you're someone who expects people to be emotionally aware of themselves and relate to you in a way that they take responsibility for their own state of mind, sometimes you can get labeled. Uh, certainly I know I've been labeled that, over that. You can get labeled as being, well, in my case, like a tree hugger or uh, some people that I know who are yoga practitioners, they get labels over this too, because that ends up being a part of some of the styles of yoga are about processing through your own inner landscape through meditative practices like yoga. Certainly not all of them, but I know a couple of them just because I have a friend who is pretty big into yoga and has uh, worked with some of that. But so I think that there's some resistance to taking responsibility for our own actions and our own filters when we're listening and our own management of our own emotions. So one, another thing that brings this up is I listen around to OSR anchor podcasts and I don't listen to every single one of them because I mean, there's a whole lot of them now. Lots of people have mentioned this. But there's a couple that I follow every single episode, more than a couple. There's like a fairly large handful, probably two hands together. <laughs> but on top of that, I will often glance at other ones, read the titles and go, oh, that might be something I want to listen to. And in doing that, I have 
that's kind of how I handle new podcasts. So if I hear about a new Anchor podcast, I'll look at it. I'll almost always listen to the first one, you know, the newest one that's available. And then I'll watch the titles and and every once in a while, it will be one that the host of it really grabs my attention. I can tell you one that is like that. Probably the most recent edition that's like that is Keep Off the Borderlands with Free Thrall. Because his sense of humor really caught my attention. And I thought, oh, he's funny. I want to listen to that one all the time. It probably helps, too, that he doesn't put an episode out every single day like I do, like deluging people. But <laughs> my point is... In doing that, in drifting around and listening to different things and hearing people comment on things and then going and listening to episodes based on someone else's comments, I found my way to the Tavern Chat and recently have heard the episodes where um, the host is talking about being vague booked and a bunch of other stuff. So um, I think it... I'll tell you what that really reminded me of. It really reminded me of the fact that group dynamics can be really hinky. All it takes is a couple of really badly behaved, morally outraged people to stir up a whole lot of mess. An example of that. Years ago, when my husband and I first moved to Virginia, we found this community and it was a little community of people who were pagan and I know I've mentioned this before too but in that group we were in that group and then we took over facilitating that group when the person who was running it um, kind of got run out of it (laughs) and we were facilitating it happily things seemed to be working well what we were doing was just rotating who was running the ritual so we would do them once a month We would usually do them around the full moon or someone could choose, you know, when they wanted to do it, if it was their turn. And really, it was an opportunity for everybody to say, here's my practice and I want to share it with everyone. And we would all with an open mind be like, "Okay, well, you know, we're going to do that. And then this person came in who said, I'm a fourth degree fairy Wiccan and you're doing it wrong and you're allowing evil into your circle and you're this and you're that. And essentially, most of the people who were in that group had never been in a formal group. So they they hadn't ever been around this whole degree system and all of that rigid, organized stuff. Partially because a lot of people who are pagan are like, I don't really want all that rigid, organized stuff. And here's a place where I'm judgmental. When I see that rigid, organized stuff, I think okay, well, all you're doing is taking the same structure that's in this system that you talk badly about and slapping a different coat of paint on it and calling it paganism. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) So that person came in, scared a whole bunch of the new people uh, because I'm not somebody who thinks in terms of evil energy because I think human beings are made up of energy, period, and... I don't think it's about there being some malign evil energy that can come in and just take over. Now, I just said I think and I believe because that's all I'm saying. That is my belief system. And as the person who was facilitating that group, that was the auspices that group ran under. 
very openly. We talked openly about that fact and about the fact that if someone felt that way, that our group probably wasn't a good fit for them. The problem is that lady, when she came in, instead of being like, okay, this group isn't a good fit for me, she felt like she had to save everyone because uh, they were um, evil, you know, evil was going to come in. Uh, It's kind of the way I feel about people who feel the need to proselytize about religion because they fear that anyone who doesn't believe what they believe is going to burn in hell for eternity. In the moment, that is the exact parallel that came to mind. And I actually said that out loud. And while a couple of people went, oh yeah, that makes sense. They were still scared. It still scared them. So really, you know, the group fell apart, as I've mentioned before. And when I hear people talking about the Outrage Brigade and all of that, I don't know any of the details. I only know the little bits that I've heard about some of the bad things that happened on Google+, Plus, where people, like, mass unliked things and all of that. And, and for the record, I think that it's really hard to remember that as human beings, we are tribal creatures. We're pack animals. So... It's true, yes, certainly it's good to be individualistic and it's good to think for yourself, but on a core level, we don't want to be on the outside of the group. We want to be on the inside of the group. So I can see how that whole mass unlike thing can be attractive to people. I totally get it. And to be brutally honest, early, early days when I first started getting online, I'm sure I did that because... I don't think there's a real equivalent to that in real life, like in a face-to-face life. But once I realized what that was, that it was really a, a, a mass judgment that was like, don't say things I don't like to hear or else I'm going to ruin you in every way I possibly can. I stopped participating in it in that way. That said, I don't think that people who choose not to give their attention to people who hold views they find abhorrent are just mindless drones who are not smart enough to listen to people who think differently than they do. So I, you know, I think that whole thing is a sticky situation where the bad behavior of a few can ruin it for many. I hate that fact. I wish there was some other way it could be handled where where it didn't become a personal judgment of someone's value as a human because they share some abhorrent belief or or they don't share someone's precious belief that is the core of their being. I don't know. It's kind of like a lot of people when they find out that I am pagan, if they're Christian, they really are cautious about interacting with me and I don't know what they're afraid I'm going to do. But But I say that. I'm also not somebody who walks around thinking that there's some evil malign force just waiting to take over my brain. So when I think about it from that viewpoint, from the viewpoint of, well, I wasn't really raised to believe that there's some devil waiting to influence me to do bad things. I guess if I believed there was, and if I had been raised in that belief structure, it would be really hard for me to step outside of that and to go, oh, well, this is okay then. I can hear ideas that are other than what I believe to be true. And 
really I can even question the things that I've been told, you know, that's the biggest one. When we're in a community, no matter what kind of community it is, there are ground rules and a lot of those ground rules are not spoken. A lot of those ground rules are things that people, if you directly point them out, will specifically say, oh my gosh, no, we're accepting, we don't, you know, that's not a rule of ours. But fundamentally, there are a lot of rules in place around any community setting that that are about making sure that people stay in line. You know, like that thing I was saying about not stealing other people's stuff. That's really about saying fundamentally our community values people's ownership of the things they've worked for. Therefore, if you take it, you're outside of our community norm, you know? And I think that's why when I look at things like the prison system here in America, I see that it's really punitive and not rehabilitative because it's not about helping people who are raised in a, in a structure of chaos or, or uh, anarchy realize that if you want to function in society and, and um, succeed, you know, in the traditional value of succeeding, which means having enough money to have a roof over your head and, and have some extra money too, you know, to me, I know that it's more complicated than that for a lot of people, but fundamentally, I think that to succeed in our society is to be able to give yourself food, clothing, and shelter. Um, and I don't, I, I look at things like the way the prison system works and I go, huh, yeah, no, see, that's not, the point there is not to take people who were raised outside of that structure or have decided to function outside of that structure or, or don't, uh, understand what that structure even is and, you know, point out that is what the structure is. Here is what you would have to do. And you know what I mean? So and I'm not trying to get in some big prison system debate here. I'm just saying that that's an example of a place where it reminds me of how I felt when I was in that pagan group and the people who she scared, one part of them was battling to say, we've been doing this for a while now and it feels good and it feels inclusive and it's interesting and we've enjoyed it. And the other end of that scale is, but what if this lady's right and there is evil out there waiting to get me and it just hasn't caught me yet. So anyway, I'm, you know, I don't, I know that, um, on the tavern chat, he said that people aren't publicly responding. Well, I, I'm going to leave him a message and make sure he knows I talked about this in this episode too, because I don't know the details. I'm not part of that. I am completely on the outside looking in and, it could well be that he's going to feel like I'm responding without knowing all the facts or whatever. And if that happens, I hope that we engage in a conversation about it because I absolutely don't mean to do that. Really, all I'm saying is when I hear him talk about that, I remember how I felt when that lady came in and messed with our group and took a dynamic that was meaningful to me and then that I really loved and cared about and destroyed it, essentially. So personally, I... I think it's easy to um, to have a reaction to something that you value being 
maligned or questioned or thrown under the bus, you know, in extreme cases, and take it personal and react personally when, in fact, sometimes those people who are doing that, and I, I think I mentioned also that the lady who did that actually apologized to me for doing that years later on Facebook. It was the most surprising thing I'll tell you. I could not believe it when she sent me, you know, messages and we actually conversed back and forth a little bit about it because I didn't ever expect that realization to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's rare. Normally when people do that, they feel justified and self-righteous and, and it, the realization never happens that they actually, you know, were behaving badly. But anyway, I, I'm, I don't mean to stick my nose where it doesn't belong. It just really made me think about like group dynamics and how people interact. And, and I think that when I, especially, I'll tell you what happened. So I was listening to today to an episode, I think it's the most recent one, where the host was talking about how people who unlike other people because some group tells them to are a bunch of mindless drones. And I realized that I used to think that, like I know where that comes from. And maybe that's true. I certainly don't think that I'm some omnipotent being who, who knows exactly how everything works. But I do think that it's possible to not be a mindless drone and to decide not to give your attention to something. I think in this case, much like in the case with that lady who just said, well, you could let evil in, the problem happens when the people who are deciding to unlike or deciding to stop participating in a community are doing it as a knee-jerk fear-based reaction without knowing the whole picture. So... Uh, you know, in, in our case, I feel like a lot of the new people hadn't been coming to our group longer than about six months. And when you only meet once a month, that means they'd only been to like five or six meetings. And then this person comes in, wave their hands around with their hair on fire, talking about evil, you know? So I don't know. I, you know, when you become part of a group and you become part of something that's meaningful to you and something threatens it, it feels huge, and it is huge, when something meaningful to you is challenged. The thing is that sometimes you have to look at the other party who's doing the challenging and recognize, oh, where they're at mentally is leading to them attacking us because it's scary to them. And I do think that's what happened on many levels with our little group and the lady who disrupted it. So, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. That was a whole lot to say about that. Sorry to get so wordy there. And I will be back later today. Now that it's later in the evening and I'm driving home on a cool night, my thoughts have turned in a different direction, an edgy Wednesday direction. So there are a couple of songs that I like to listen to when I'm in a mood, you know, and I know nothing's going to happen because I have to be, but... I can still let my imagination run wild as I finish my drive home. So this next song is one that I'd love to listen to when I'm in that mood. And I hope that you will look up the whole song and give it a listen because it is really wonderful. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this very long episode. Uh, I look forward to hearing people's opinions. Um, I hope I haven't offended anyone. You know, I don't ever offend people on purpose, so... Anyway, um, I look forward to hearing from you and have a good night. <laughs>